Hello and welcome to Design Unmuted, a podcast that centers marginalized voices in design, art, and all things creative. I am your host, Divine, a landscape designer and social critic. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Design Unmuted. I am joined by my very good friends, uh, Megan and Kao. Megan is a graphic designer and art director, and Kao is an animation director and illustrator. Kao has generously accepted to host us in her apartment for this recording. This is the first recording in person. It's really exciting. She has also given us some good food and Megan has brought some bubbles. So we're sipping on some Proseccos, like the best setup for a podcast. (laughs) So I'm going to invite you to introduce yourselves. Who would like to go first? Oh, thanks. I I guess I will go first. Um, yeah, so I'm Megan. I'm a Chinese-Canadian, second generation, born and raised in so-called Vancouver. Went to Emily Carr for graphic design or communication design. Have been kind of in the industry, whether that's working in-house for different brands or at a studio as a graphic designer, and then took on some art direction, production work, and have now just been living that freelance life of panic and anxiety, (laughs) but also, you know, a lot of good wins as well. Yeah, I I feel very driven and motivated by human connection, Mm -hmm. storytelling, trying to find ways to use what I call my medium as a way to connect with others and also process my own identity shit. I don't Mm -hmm. know if we're allowed to swear on this. Oh, 100%. (laughs) I'm like, we we have the Prosecco. I'm like, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's little ramblings about me. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. Um, my name is Kaho Yoshida, and I'm from Japan. I'm an animation director and illustrator. I'm from Tokyo. Well, I'm from Fukushima, and I moved to Tokyo. I grew up in Tokyo, and then I moved to Canada by myself when I was 15 to learn English. Mm-hmm. I went to high school in the middle of nowhere, Ontario, <laughs> and then I moved to Vancouver for university, mm-hmm. and then I graduated from animation major in 2015. And I worked in the studio for a year to get my permanent residency. But other than that, I've been freelancing for the past six, seven years. Wow. I cannot. Um, I focus on mixed media animation using stop motion and cell animation. And yeah, so I work on mostly commercial projects, but um, I'm making a personal film right now. So I like to do personal projects as well. And I also make some comics on Instagram. Yeah, they're amazing. I love them. The influencer here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many times do you have? Like a million? <laughs> Casual 25k. Oh gosh, casual. I'm sitting at 400, so there's that. (laughs) Well, it's like my herpes account has 25k. Oh, I have an Instagram account, but my boyfriend has herpes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started it anonymously with my partner, but then I have a personal animation account as well. Nice, nice. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about freelancing Mm -hmm. and also about identity Mm -hmm. and some of the challenges about freelancing, as Megan mentioned. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm the newbie here with the freelancing. Yeah, but um, I would like for you to talk to me more about your journey and how you thought that freelancing was more right for your own creative journeys and careers. 
That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, even like backtracking when you were originally Caho thinking about doing, taking the leap into freelance, I remember having like a lunch or a coffee with you, Mm -hmm. um, just like discussing the potential of that. So then now, you know, six years later, seeing Mm -hmm. you doing what you do and doing it so well and navigating it, I think that gave me a lot of courage to know that it was a possibility, mm-hmm. um, even though we're kind of in adjacent like industries. Um, yeah. So I've been, I've been freelancing since I was in school, whether that was like picking up little projects here and there with, I don't know, friends who needed branding or word of mouth, um, not the most glamorous projects all the time, but slowly, but surely was, you know, my name was getting passed around a little bit and it was a nice way to see how I could navigate it as a businesswoman as well. And so that was really interesting. You know, you get screwed over a couple of times. You're like, okay, got to write a contract now, like <laughs> yeah. a big learning process. But I always had like a job, another job that would bring in, you know, more steady income to support whatever these freelance gigs that I would pick <laughs> up. Um, and honestly, the pandemic, working from home, the novelty of working from home really wore off after the first couple months. <laughs> um, I was working at a studio called um, Studio Faculty. It's a local graphic design studio, also started by a couple guys who graduated from Emily Carr as well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, dream job. Like, I didn't think that I could get that sort of studio agency experience at such a young age because mm-hmm. I got that job maybe six months after I had graduated from Emily Carr. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of fun. Like, I got to learn so much. I got to travel, which was really fun and plan trips and got get paid to do that. And What? You know, yeah, for I'm for, switching jobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was a dream come true for me. And then here and there, I would just pick up freelance if it would come up. But I think it got to a point where I was filling up so much of my free time with work, mm-hmm. even in my downtime, that I didn't really have evenings or weekends to like rest and reset, kind of burn myself to the ground a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really feel like there was any other choice. It was like, okay, I either continue down this road where mm-hmm. I am working this nine to five. I clearly have poor boundaries with saying <laughs> no to other opportunities when they come up. Yeah. Uh, I can continue down that road or the only other option I had was like, just, I need to like quit. I just needed an escape. Mm-hmm. I had luckily had some savings that I was like, okay, I'm just going to take some time away because I had really fallen out of love with what I have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then took a month off basically when I quit back in February. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the hardest things to do was to admit that I had burnt myself out mm-hmm. Um but once I did, was like, okay, we're just going to see how this goes. Yeah. And started getting more inquiries and was like, okay, maybe I'll pick up a few gigs here and there. Next thing you know, I'm in like back-to-back work. <laughs> Again? Again. <laughs> so for me, I think I realized that I needed to do that uh, and really tr- give it a shot to prove to myself that I could do it. And I was capable right. of doing it in a way where I could be selective with the projects that I was taking on, mm-hmm. meeting new people through that, building a bit of more financial means so that I could continue mm-hmm. to, to just kind of do what I was doing. Like the best life. <laughs> trying. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm still kind of figuring it out, to be honest. There's parts of me that are like, oh, maybe I'll like just completely switch it up. Maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I, you know, like I think I'm still very much unsure mm-hmm. of what I'm going to be doing in this next year or so. Right. But as the freelance gigs are inquiries are coming in, I'm not going to close myself off to those. 
but I am going to be selective with what the ones I do take on mm-hmm. as I try to rebuild my self-trust um, with being able to take on work without crashing and burning mm-hmm. and repeating old cycles and patterns. That's really a healthy approach. <laughs> it's a... Uh, <laughs> It's been um, an interesting journey. <laughs> uh, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Carol? How did you launch into freelancing? Has this, was this something you always knew you were going to do? Uh, well, when I was graduating school, in school, I like focused on stop motion. Mm-hmm. And stop motion industry doesn't exist in Vancouver. It doesn't really exist anywhere. Oh. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm never going to get a job doing oh, what I love. Yeah. So I thought in Vancouver, there are so many like, you know, VFX industries or like TV animation industries. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, maybe like I'll work there. Yeah. And then I went to like open studios and things. It was so white male dominated. Mm-hmm. And it, even if not, it was so male dominated that I didn't feel comfortable. I had some mm-hmm. encounters that made me feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to work there. And then I was doing, I was doing a lot of researches on like studios. And you know, on website, you can like go to like meet the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every single studios that I was interested in working, it was like all men and mostly mm. all white men. Oh. And I was like, are they doing this on purpose? And if not, does it like ever occur to them that right. there is like no representation of women or women of color? Mm-hmm. And do I want to put myself in this environment? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. I then started to like look into freelancing. But because I'm not from Canada, I had to get permanent residency to stay in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I did have to find a full-time job Mm -hmm. in order to apply for the uh, permanent residency service. So when I was working at a, I got a job, luckily doing something that I really enjoyed. The job and the coworkers were amazing, Mm -hmm. but the company was really toxic. So I knew I didn't want to stay there forever. So while I was working full-time, I started picking up freelance projects. Mm -hmm. And then I built up enough real that I quit and started, like, go full-time freelance. Okay, and how long did that take? Well, so after graduating, I started working at the studio, but not full-time. And then I took up another, more, like, freelance jobs. And so I freelanced for, like, a year. Mm -hmm. And then I got a full-time job position for PR Mm -hmm. for a year, a bit over a year. So it took, like, two years of preparing to go full-time freelance. Mm -hmm. And then... From there, it's been like quite consistent. I haven't gone too long without a job. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. your, your, your work is great. So, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at first, I had to take jobs that paid really bad or like jobs that I wasn't interested in. Yeah. But so I had to like do those like corporate jobs that wasn't interesting to me, but on the side, make projects that excited me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, just personal things. So yeah. I like put it in my portfolio. You, oh, you, you're both so like inspiring, and I just, I love. I mean, we've we've spoken about this before, mm-hmm. and I, I think you guys' journey is just so incredible and inspiring. And I'm like, you're so courageous to do this and to like walk in your truth and do work that speaks to to your values and and like your own just kind of creative aspirations. And I'm just like watching on the sidelines. I'm like, maybe one day <laughs> I can also do that. Yeah. <laughs> 
like you have a podcast. You yeah, it's definitely my passion project. Yeah, yeah, you're curving your own ways. Yeah, definitely. I'm, 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 I'm trying to also step into doing work that really is in alignment with who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm also quite busy, as, as you know, <laughs> and. Like you were saying, Megan, I'm really trying to avoid the like burning out. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, sometimes I get creative, like, especially when I get like relaxed, I take like my night shower. Then it's like, no, you're supposed to go to bed. But then that's when like, so then I like, I start like writing things down and I was two o'clock in the morning. It's just like a, a very kind of like terrible um, <laughs> situation. <laughs> so I just want to ask you, like when you work for yourself mm-hmm. and you don't have set hours, and you can kind of like almost too much freedom with how you go about your days. Mm. How do you maintain, how do I say, how do you, how do you maintain boundaries in terms of not letting work consume your entire time and like avoid the burnout again? It's mm. mm. a hard one because like everything that I love to do is related to like drawing or making comics. Mm-hmm. So like I don't really have a clear boundaries of what I yeah. do for fun and what I do for work. Right. But for work, I'm a control freak. So I make very meticulous schedule. Mm. Like I make like a Google spreadsheet like for like, you know, if I have a project, I make like a very meticulous schedule. So if I know exactly what I need to do for that day. Mm-hmm. And if I finish it, I don't do anymore. And right. then I do like fun projects. Right. Yeah. But what about your fun projects? Do they sometimes get out of, you know? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, they do get out of control sometimes. I don't think I feel burned out by them though. Right. Because I'm doing it for fun. It's like fueling you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also someone who like cannot go without sleep. So I sleep at least eight hours every day. Oh nice. Um, so nothing will get in between me and my sleep. That's a good way to do Yeah, you are very good at that. <laughs> we like went we went we had our like cabin weekend and Kaho is always like first to bed. But I and I but I have like FOMO, so I'm like staying <laughs> yes. up all night. Yeah, I'm like I need to put myself to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like again, like you, Kaho, doing this for so long. You know, I really need to take notes myself mm-hmm. because I'm figuring it out. I think mm-hmm. because I'm kind of doing it in this like transition while I try to step more into my truth, work more at a pace that also allows for rest, and mm-hmm. realizing that rest was not something that was never really taught Mm -hmm. to me growing up, as well as like being in a society and a system that doesn't really promote rest. And so for me, I'm, I'm still very much navigating and looking and trying to navigate those boundaries because Mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to go into like a self-criticism. Yeah. If I'm not working on something and know it's coming up, I'm like, Oh, I should be working on this. So if anything, like going to therapy has really helped, but also just having, I guess, maybe more grace with myself of being like, okay, like I'm not feeling it today. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to force myself to work. So being flexible with myself has been Mm -hmm. what I've really enjoyed about freelance is like, Mm -hmm. like I know and trust that I can get the job done because I'm not taking on as much as I usually would have. So I know what I'm capable of. Do I want to go back there? No. Yeah. But you know, if there's a day where I'm like, oh, like I don't feel motivated at all, like giving myself permission to just be like, okay, well you will carve out time 
yesterday to do it and maybe it's a late night but maybe that is what ends up getting it done like I don't know we were yeah. programmed like that in school yeah, yeah I feel exactly. like you're like okay like get the project done like we gotta go <laughs> then yeah just uh, I think for me I'm trying to find what my passion projects are and trying to find things that spark that joy again because I think I fell out of that just over this past year of burning out yeah um and trying to reconnect with why I am doing what I do yeah so we'll see like yes. I, I did of loss and grief which is like a my thesis project which after losing my mom maybe about uh 2015 is that six years I'm not I'm not in math yeah six years ago we'll just say that yeah um yeah so after she passed away uh that was such a life-altering experience that it just shifted it shifted everything right and then pandemic that also flips everything on its head so I've also just been trying to be like I'm also just still grieving of course and existing in the system that perpetuates this idea that we have to operate at a certain level of productivity mm-hmm. trying to fight that or be or carve your own path within a system that already dictates mm-hmm. yeah how you or presents an idea of how you should be working mm-hmm. me trying to now take a step back and be like what does it actually look like for me I think I'm yeah. still very much in that figuring it out phase I haven't found mm-hmm. that right balance yet yeah. I go one end to the other yeah very yeah, easily yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'll, I'll, okay I'll take work on oh, okay I need a break and then I'm like full on break full on break <laughs> but that's the beauty because you you have that freedom to make those, those calls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think yeah that, that's amazing the one thing I always kind of wondered is like when you're freelancing, I'm such a social person. I really love being around mm-hmm. people and like working with other people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder like, does it get lonely sometimes because you're just kind of like working on your own and like, how do you, or are you always working on your own? I don't know. And, and if, if you are, like, how do you find other people to kind of like mm-hmm. be with? Yeah. Before the pandemic, I was working, I had a studio, but I was like on my own in my own space. Mm -hmm. But I made sure like at least three nights a week, I had a social event. So they, there used to be like a freelancer meetup, like, you know, different like networking events. So I went to like every single one of them and Mm -hmm. then I had like plans with friends. Yeah. But since the pandemic, I'm in the room by myself all (laughs) the time. I got used to it and I don't think it's healthy for me <laughs> <laughs> to just kind of be like yeah. close down in your own mm-hmm. little yeah. I mean I guess we all kind of had to do that and that's when I realized I really can't like this is really difficult for me mm. like I really need to be even if I'm not talking to, to people like I just mm-hmm. I just want to know that there are other people around there, you know I listen to podcasts obsessively yeah, they're like my friends to hear some voices <laughs> yeah. just have some background you start talking to them yeah it's like yeah totally yeah no, of course I agree <laughs> like, they don't know that I exist but we're, we're friends yeah yeah it's like we're vibing <laughs> what yeah. are you uh, so in the art direction realm where I'm like planning photo shoots and directing photo shoots that's a very social mm-hmm. I'm always in communication with people with the type of work that I do whether that's an email or I've realized phone calls are the best way to actually like Mm. get shit done but um yeah just like photo shoots like those are things that I look forward to and I also try to work with my friends because at the end of the day I want to surround myself with good people know what their shit I can trust them so shoot days are amazing they're like the most fun but then all the kind of like prep and the post you're like very much zoned in on yourself and a lot of it has to do with like emails and whatnot so 
I'll go out during my day. I'll go to a cafe. I'll meet a friend for coffee outside and um, catch up and whatnot. And then answer a few emails and I'm like, that's my work for the day. Oh, you're living your best life truly. (laughs) Again, again, that's one side of it. The other side is like in a dark hole. Like I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And then like things like this, I mean, mm-hmm. we've been trying to get together for so long, but even just in the few social like walks that we used yeah. to do and things like that, like that also is just really nice connecting with others that are going through this. Like we're all going through it. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is I'm like, the more people I talk to, the more common experiences I realize we're all having right now. Yeah. Um, and it's not normal to force ourselves to feel like we need to operate at a certain level. Totally. Because we're all like, if we all just acknowledge that we're all here and mm-hmm. all going through something, maybe mm-hmm. we can like slow it down. So yeah, especially with the pandemic, mm. like I realized I was constantly on edge living in like constant fear. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and it's like now, you know, because we're vaccinated and like having, like I felt relieved and I didn't realize I was carrying that much weight and anxiety around this until like now. And I'm like, we need this thing to be over. Like, I can't, <laughs> I really can't, on top of the other stresses of life, mm. have this thing that kind of is pervasive to everything. Totally. It's just Well, really living difficult. in a fear state, like living yeah. in fear. And, you know, also with kind of like the Asian hate stuff, it, and mm. even just being a woman and hearing about like attacks or things that would happen in the city. Yeah. It's so easy to feel like, okay, well, with a pandemic, with all those added things on top of that, to just like curl into a ball or just stay yeah. in your comfort, which is your safety, which is home. Mm-hmm. But then realizing when you do go out and you interact with others, how it's also nice to just feel normal. <laughs> yeah. Some sense of like normalcy. Like even mm-hmm. going for a walk and like seeing kids playing, you're like, oh, right. Oh, kids yeah. are still just yeah. being kids. Yes. They're still on the playground. Yeah. And there's still joy and laughter. Yeah, definitely. All right. I just want to take a moment to thank the Real Estate Foundation of BC for sponsoring this episode of Design Unmuted. The Real Estate Foundation of BC is a philanthropic organization working to advance sustainable land use and real estate practices in British Columbia. They do this by funding projects, connecting people, and sharing knowledge. Their grants support not-for-profit organizations working to improve BC communities and natural environments through responsible and informed land use, conservation, and real estate practices. They're particularly interested in land use projects that contribute to the upholding of Indigenous rights and title and racial equity and justice. You can learn more at www.refbc.com. Thank you for your support of Design Unmuted. Now, let's get back to it. Actually, um, talking about the Asian hate that came way more at the forefront with with the pandemic, especially here in Vancouver, so-called Vancouver, I know you were quite vocal at um, the, the protests. We've talked about identity, our own cultural kind of identities, and how we try to embody those in a world that doesn't necessarily embrace us. And I'm wondering how, how do you bring that forward in your work or do you, is that something that like you use your work for your own kind of a cultural affirmation or like exploring your own identity? And 
Especially yeah. when you do clients' work, because that's what I should say. Like, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to clients' work, it's like, is there room for that kind of stuff? It depends. <laughs> like, because I make animation and often I design characters, mm-hmm. um, I try not to design like white male character as a default. Right. If there is like a specific reason for it, that's fine. But like, unless, like, otherwise, I try to bring diversity into my mm-hmm. character design and like, convincing my clients to like go into that direction is sometimes challenging but when I am able to and when people really like react to it it is very gratifying Mm -hmm. but yeah it's hard definitely I would imagine yeah just even like a lot of what I enjoy doing is utilizing my ability to like tell stories as a way to also convince clients that this is something they need to. Yeah. And I think also like being in 2021 and having a lot more like social dialogue and discourse around certain topics that never really were at the forefront before, mm-hmm. um, being able to like bring those up and like show that it is important to acknowledge or have, especially when you're working with photography mm-hmm. and like, I think very easy to just be like, we want diverse models. You know, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, but then what about the team behind the lens? What about the hair and makeup artists? What about like, are we creating a safe space for everyone to feel like they can show up and just be themselves? Mm Because I think that's where, for me, what what I realize also contributes a lot to the burnout is that like emotional, mental labor of showing up in spaces that were not necessarily ever made for like, like to be a woman of color or like Mm -hmm. to even be an Asian woman in a director role Mm -hmm. or telling brand stories. Mm -hmm. Like I realize, and I've had a lot of discussions with other colleagues and whatnot that even just showing up and being exactly who you are Mm -hmm. is the work. Like it is work, but it also allows and carves space for other people to see that it's possible. Yeah, And you're constantly working against like, I don't know, this feeling that you need to prove that you belong at the table yeah. or you feel like you need to, and even if it's like, it's unsaid, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's still present and mm-hmm. that still takes a toll. Yeah. But at the same time, I've realized it can be very much celebrated in the community uh, with clients if they also, I don't know, my biggest thing is I want to work with people that also have similar values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you value, like, you don't just work with me for my work. You're also going to work for me because of my opinion. Right. And so, yes, you're going to say, hey, this is the idea that I have, mm-hmm. but you know that I'm going to come back to you with my own personal research. Of course, yeah. Um, to show like, hey, but have you thought about it in this way? Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're receptive to that, you know, that's something that I also am trying to learn to let go of. Like, I don't need to hold every single project to that degree of like, I need to make an impact. Right. Yeah. Because it does take a tool. Yeah. Um, But when it happens so organically, you end up working with people who share the same values. It doesn't make work feel like work. Yeah. It actually is so enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, why can't we just, wouldn't everyone want to work in that sort of setting? Like, yeah. Can we just like, we chose a creative industry for a reason. Like let's enjoy ourselves. Let's be able to show up as ourselves. Let's create spaces for others where they can show up and be themselves yeah. unapologetically. Yeah. Totally. The easier said than done. I don't know, of course, yeah. of course. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it sounds like you're, you're doing a great job at, at it. At least 
it sounds like if you're a freelancer, like that ability to be able to be like, hey, I'm going to choose who I work with mm-hmm. allows you to then be able to uh, step into the work that's in alignment with your values, right? And, and I mean, it didn't happen overnight, right? Like I've built so many genuine friendships with other people who have lifted me up or said my name in a room that I didn't, I wasn't in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel that in turn, like if we all just are in a supportive network where we, yeah. where we're trying to lift each other up, yeah. you know, like I want to share, like if I get an opportunity, I want to share it with mm-hmm. my friends who mm-hmm. aren't just my friends, but they're also very talented in what they do. Mm-hmm. Why not? Like, like it doesn't need to be in competition with one another. We can all, there's enough room. There's room for, yeah. There's room for everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the scarcity of this idea that there's limited positions and roles is such a lie. Yeah, no, the scarcity mentality is the worst. And it's such a lie. Like, there's room for all these things to be existing and flourishing. And everyone, everyone has... Yeah, yeah, honestly. I want to hear about the most exciting projects you both worked on or maybe you're working on. I love all of your work, Kaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I'm, like, yeah, I get excited about everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, non-animation project, like I think the most meaningful work, and it's not like a work that I didn't get paid for it, was like my boyfriend has herpes account because... Mm-hmm. We just started it thinking like maybe like three people would look at this account. Yeah. Um, it's like I made comics about our experience and mm-hmm. like, you know, being in a relationship with herpes because it's such a stigmatized thing. Yeah. You know, it was like a word of the mouth. People started sharing it mm-hmm. and then like, you know, a lot of people really loved it. And so many people just like sent us so many messages, just like sharing the most intimate things about their lives. And, like, we have messages from, like, nurses saying, like, hey, like, this is really great. Next time I diagnose someone, I'm going to share this comic with oh, them so they awesome. feel better. So, like, you know, it's not work and it, I didn't get paid for it, yeah. but it. And I'm not working on it anymore because it just, like, became too much work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm, like, still, like, leaving it there and people can't find it. Yeah. And, like, you know, I haven't posted it in there for years, but, like, people still message us. Right. Like, almost every week and I think knowing that the comics can have so much impact on people yeah. has been really nice and like it's not something that I'm working on right now but mm-hmm. hopefully I want to like continuing doing something like this in the yeah. future yeah so that's the most exciting non-animation project and Right now, as I said, I'm working on a personal film and it's been such a long time since I worked on like a short film. So, and it's a very personal one. So I'm very excited about it. I can't wait to see it. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited. I know, me too. <laughs> you, you have such a, an incredible ability to tell stories visually and it's so compelling. And every time I'm just like, I look forward, like I'm like, oh, God, there's a story. It's like, I know it's, so, it's, it's going to be good. <laughs> Yeah. I'm better at telling stories visually. I'm not a very good speaker. So, you know, this is my experience. I would disagree. <laughs> I would disagree. But you're very, very good at telling stories visually. Yeah, it's such a beautiful means of communication. And I feel like it's so accessible too and uh, approachable. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, like, your My Boyfriend Has Herpes account, like, that style of comic mm-hmm. is such an inviting yeah. and, like, friendly way to speak about something that is so stigmatized and also 
terrifying for so many people. Yeah. So being like, well, this can also just be like a, yeah, yeah. It's also just life, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Um, yeah, very, very beautiful. Personally, I brought up briefly like of loss and grief, which was a project I started um, after I lost my mother to ovarian cancer. It was a very tumultuous like six months of diagnosis to her death, so it was very quick. Um, and she was and still is like one of the most influential people in my life. Um, and grief is something that I found incredibly isolating, even though we all experience it. Yeah. So I was really inspired by this uh, museum of broken relationships. It's um, a gallery that's, I think it's still there, Zagreb, Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was lucky enough to visit it in my travels. My friend showed it to us and it was using objects as a means of storytelling. So mm-hmm. about a relationship. And so I was thinking about, would that be interesting to do with grief? Um, Caho um, contributed to that project as well Mm -hmm. and it was really an interesting way to connect with others Um, just having this unspoken understanding between grievers or people who have either lost their parent or a loved one Mm -hmm. there's this unspoken understanding of that process of maybe especially in western culture the way that we approach death you know you have your whatever funeral Mm -hmm there's the you grieve and then you have to go back to your normal life. Mm. And that was for me, I was like, how can I go back right. to the way things were? Because it's so like, it, I could you never go back to the way. It, yeah. Um, and I think similarly with pandemic, that probably happened with so many people. And so you're in this like internal conflict of being like, Oh, I'm still going through this like huge emotional process mm-hmm. where, you know, the flowers start to dwindle, the cards, the Mm check-ins. People don't know how to talk about grief. Mm -hmm. So maybe having a space where you enter and grief is already present. Right. And so it's already on the table. Mm -hmm. So you can choose to interact with it, however, whatever level or degree that you you want to. Mm -hmm. So there was also a gallery, publication, and a website. Mm -hmm. So it was just a way of sharing stories of grief and kind of showing how unique of an experience it is, but also at the same time, how each of those individual stories connect you Mm -hmm. in a certain way. So you don't feel so alone. Yeah. Um, Because grief kind of hits you across the head. Like you don't know when it's going to strike. Yeah. 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 yeah, Totally. Um, It can literally just come with like the change in weather Mm -hmm. and it brings back certain memories or a time of year, holidays, things like Mm -hmm. that. And so six years later, I'm still going through that journey of course. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that's a project that I was very proud of because it allowed me to connect with others. It allowed me to also process my own grief yeah. head on. It was very difficult to do. Oh, I bet. <laughs> lots of tears, mm-hmm. still, still lots of tears, mm-hmm. but um, it definitely made it feel less lonely. Yeah. And then knowing that other people felt the same way, kind of like what you said, Kaho, about it just happening so organically. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that felt like I really was doing it for me. Yeah. Without any motivation of trying to monetize it yeah. or do anything outside of what other people want. Like it felt like the first project that I had really done for mm-hmm. me. Right. Because um, everything else was, I'd always be like, oh, how can I get a good grade? Because that was right. a yeah. programmed yeah. thing. <clears throat> and then more recently, it hasn't launched yet, but it was a project that I got to work with uh, the Vancouver Chinatown Foundation. Mm-hmm. And that was during a time when, you know, the Asian hate was very apparent. Mm-hmm. And so I got to work on a photo shoot with an all Asian cast and crew. 
And it felt like the most cathartic experience, just the process of creating. um, And I'm so proud of the results as well, which I'm very excited to share. But yeah, I'm just having that connection to Chinatown as well. Mm -hmm. And what that even represents, the resilience of that neighborhood existing. Yeah. Yeah, So that one I'm I'm very excited about in the more recent. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping I can share it soon. Nice. Nice. I kind of want to go back to uh, your project of uh, grief and loss. Mm, Loss and grief, yeah. Loss and grief. Because I find while all of us experience grief, we don't all know how to grieve. Mm. And I'm wondering, so you you did the project, it's done now. Do you still use your work to to grieve? Like, is there, Mm. are there other ways that, because you said it was such a, like a good um, project was like, it really helped you deal with the, the loss of your mom, mm-hmm. which I appreciate you so much for like sharing that like uh, experience with, with us. I'm just wondering, have you used other work to, to still process uh, grief or, or emotions that are like, cause I find like a lot of like arts where like, people are like, Oh yeah, it's so beautiful. It's so great. It's just like, there's always this kind of like positive twist. Mm-hmm. Are you intentional to bring like, like darker emotions mm-hmm. In, in like your other works. Yeah, that's a, a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna take that. I was like, no, have you, I mean, have you done it? Or have, um, have you done like other projects that try to kind of like go again at these kind of like harder things to, to process? I think subconsciously, like grief is just woven into, you know, my connection to my mother is like still present and I think in the way that I feel close to her mm-hmm. definitely maybe not necessarily directly through work I think I also needed to give some space to like not uh always use my grief as a way to create work of course um but I think the process of creating and um using those darker emotions mm-hmm. is something that maybe I um yeah, I don't know. I, I write on the blog sometimes and I'll write little updates and yeah. and things like that. But um, that kind of next chapter of tapping into that side, I don't think I've gotten there yet. I think I definitely feel pulled to, um, mm-hmm. but it's just carving out that time and energy to do it. But I like the idea. <laughs> Stealing it. <laughs> do it. Stealing it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I I tend to make things that are like humorous or like cute, not Mm -hmm. cute, but like, you know, like lighthearted or whimsical. But the film I'm making right now, I decided to make it after like dealing with my sexual assault traumas in therapy. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a topic that I've been wanting to express since like Me Too movement came up. Mm -hmm. And that was like an idea that I've been like trying to make. But I think after like working through it in therapy, I finally feel ready to like Mm -hmm. make it into work. Yeah. And usually when I make animation, I want to make it lighthearted or, you know, digestible. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, tie a little cute ball on top so people can like watch it and feel good about it. But this one, I'm not making it super digestible or like accessible. Mm -hmm. Like I still... Because animation is so beautiful, I want it to look good, and I want to put like visual elements that makes me happy. Yeah. But I'm not making a storyline that people can watch and feel good afterwards. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just like putting in what I want to put in, and not caring too much about what people might take from it. Right. 
it's very terrifying, but I'm doing it and it feels great. So it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult journey to go through. Mm-hmm. And thanks for speaking truth. You know, like I think if all of us spoke more truthfully about how we felt and like mm-hmm. the things we go through, I think the world would be so much of a better place. <laughs> like there's so much fakery around these days that it's 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 really difficult. Mm-hmm. It, like and, and sometimes to get lost in what you see and you think is right and then you mm-hmm. react to it and but it's like but it's fake. Yeah. yeah, the biggest thing that I've kind of been learning in this past year is just like nuance. You know, social media doesn't necessarily allow for a lot of nuance mm-hmm. because it's kind of like posting it out into the void. Mm-hmm. You might get yeah. some like comments. Yeah. 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 It's not really like a dialogue or conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but kind of, you know, being able to have like your film that you're working on, for instance, mm-hmm. something that is both beautiful but dark and allowing both of those things to exist at the same time because that is life, you know, mm-hmm. like the truth yeah. is being able to acknowledge that there's so much more and it's not black and white. There's so much in between mm-hmm. and it's morphing and changing. Yeah. So... I don't know. I forgot the question. My friend. <laughs> there no, was no swear. question. Was there a brain just went elsewhere? For a second time. I, I want to know what's your ideal in the next, in the future. Uh, I won't put a timeline on it. <laughs> you can, it could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now, or maybe, Maybe it's a future you're not even part of. Like, what's your vision for, like, the work? Not necessarily work, but, like, maybe the, the things you, you want to see for yourself. No, it doesn't have to be work-related. Like, it could just be kind of like your own, just kind of, like, aspirations mm-hmm. for the future. I want to be more prayful. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, being prayful and creative is such an important part of who I am. But I feel like, you know, being professional and, like, driving for success mm-hmm. sometimes doesn't allow me to be as prayful because mm-hmm. I'm, like, always, like, always doing things and thinking about what it will bring me. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to, like, you know, make something just for the playfulness of it and the right. play of it and, like, really have fun, yeah. not thinking about consequences. Yeah. Because that's when I can be most creative. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting you say that because your work in itself is playful. Yeah, but I, it can be more playful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But just like, as the people who are consuming your work, mm-hmm. we get that playfulness. Mm-hmm. But it's unfortunate that you don't necessarily, in the process of creating it, mm. don't necessarily get the level of playfulness that you would like to experience. Mm-hmm. So we're great. <laughs> Serving us with the playfulness that you don't necessarily always get. <laughs> because like when you're, when I'm making animation, for example, I'm like so consumed into Instagram and social media. Right. When I'm making it, I'm thinking about, am I going to post it? Would people like it? Right. And then I'm losing like a risk-taking factor. Right, right. So I want to be able to divorce from that. Yeah. Yeah, my therapist recently said, like, just do things to be useless. Mm -hmm. Just be useless. Like, you don't have to, why does it always have to result in something? Like, can you just be? 
Like, can you just exist as a person and not worry about what you're contributing, Mm -hmm. your purpose, like just letting go and just being, that was a difficult, that was a difficult thing to do. Yeah. The thing to be an end in itself, not as a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, I guess in the future, yeah, that's a tough one. I think because of how much life continues to be uprooted, I tend to, any thoughts of the future is just so tied to anxiety that it's it's difficult to maybe comes more from a place of like my mental state and my mm-hmm. like present being able to just enjoy things as they are yeah. without needing to feel like I need to put it on hold, like that mm-hmm. I need to do something in, to get to there. Right. Like yeah. practicing more moments of, yeah, just joy for the sake of it, just to, yeah. just to have fun and mm-hmm. play, I think has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Also creating practices that are nourishing for myself mm-hmm. and then in turn will, you know, extend outwards and it be more free flowing that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like right now I feel very, um, I don't know, like more stuck in a certain way. Like I'm blocking myself from a lot of those things, just in the way that I self-talk mm-hmm. or even in the way that I absorb media too. Yeah. Yeah. Just maybe some more lightness. Mm-hmm. and you know coming more and more into who I am as an individual and that's always going to change but yeah. being more unapologetic would be nice yes taking up space and then not immediately doubting that yeah, like yeah, that would yeah. be nice yeah yeah but I, I know that it, it, it takes work and it's baby steps it's not gonna happen overnight so I know that I'm on that path it'll just mm-hmm. be continuing to mm-hmm. to do that yeah and I, yeah, I don't think it's a, you ever fully arrive. It's like a continuous um, effort, right? So yeah, I mean, take more risks. This, yeah. I think that's also a big one. Like just, mm-hmm. I'm a very cautious person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking more risks, putting myself outside of my comfort zone and just not really like being so concerned about how the result will be, but mm-hmm. the process of actually living. Yeah. Like, life is so short so mm-hmm. totally yeah when was the last time the last time you did something new i'm taking my first pole dancing class on sunday tomorrow oh <laughs> but it's so fun yeah but that that was, i mean it's planned yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun yeah. hopefully hopefully we'll see i think it's way harder than it looks oh, <laughs> oh it looks hard so yes so, so it must be so hard yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I did ceramics back in um, like February when Mm -hmm. I first quit my job. I was like, I'm going to just do something new and be okay with not being good at it and just see how it goes. And I really enjoyed it. It was just fun. Even when I messed up, it was like, oh, this is so much fun just to be like messy and with some clay. Like, yeah, that was So you're doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I asked that question and I was like thinking, hmm. When was the last time I did something something new? Um, I think for me, it's not like a tangible, like I did something new, but I've definitely shifted uh, my way of thinking and I'm feeling a lot lighter about a lot of issues. So I actually, like this past week, even though with teaching and everything, it's been really, really intense. There's a certain lightness that like has come over me because I I've just been 
okay with some things, some a lot of things that I've kind of been struggling with. Mm. Like, oh, is this what I should do? And I'm just like, I don't have to all figure it out now. Mm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And just kind of giving myself permission mm-hmm. to exist without having things figured out has really lifted a lot of weight off of me. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much better now because I know the answers will come mm-hmm. when the time is right. Yeah. So it just feels good because I was, I was, I was sitting down, I'm like, I need to figure this out like now. And then it just kind of like, always like, in like, and then just like, it was so now I feel, I feel lighter. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, I have all these questions unanswered, and it's fine. I think like just embracing uncertainty and being mm. more okay with not knowing at all. Yeah. Because we can't, there's so much. Yeah. And in time, things mm-hmm. will figure it out mm-hmm. as yeah. they do. And sometimes maybe they don't figure it out. So, yeah, it's like, true. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I, you know, it's, it's fine but i think we're coming up to time wow we've been talking for almost an hour wow. <laughs> yeah went by quick yeah. they went by really quick yeah. so i want to uh give you an opportunity if you want to ask me a question and then we can wrap it up you're doing now mm-hmm. well not let me rephrase mm-hmm. if you can be really good at another job yeah what would you want that job to be like a profession Ooh. like for example if mm-hmm. i could be really good at it i want to be a dancer right okay um i would be a carver carver Whoa. Oh, so soothing. yeah yeah i, think I was thinking like yeah, like I'd, I'd really do like make a lot of things with my hands. I could probably like make furniture or like I, I'm actually, I say this and I'm realizing I'm actually trying to work my way to, to, to that. Um, like I have a dream of becoming a public uh, artist and mm. doing installation work yeah. and like really just exploring different like materials and like what you can make and different colors and making statements in, in, in place. Like if you see something, it's just like you want to interact with it in a certain mm. way. So I, yeah, I'd be a, a carver of some sorts. Mm. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Okay. I mean, kind of building off of a question you already previously asked, but mm. our desire and need to always like spin something into a positive light. Are there topics that you want to kind of, delve into within this work or other work or whatnot that maybe talks or sees the other side or a very real Mm. side? I think I engage with a lot of like social justice issues and like engaging with kind of like marginalized communities and like how, how do we uplift ourselves and each other? The one project that I've really been thinking about deeply that I want to do and I'm not quite sure and I'm kind of conflicted about is I was brought up Christian and Catholic um, so I'm not religiously uh, Catholic anymore just because I, I, there's so much internal struggles with the, mm-hmm. the whole thing yeah. but because of the brainwashing part of it mm-hmm. is that there is some guilt that is associated with right. being with Christian I know that it's, it's, it's happening but I know that I'm also right in rejecting uh, that and so 
for me, something that I would really love to do is to show kind of like the sacred uh, rituals that used to happen like in my home country mm-hmm. before Christianity came and mm-hmm. essentially destroyed our own mm-hmm. spiritual practices. Yeah. And I felt, I've been feeling like it's a void. Mm-hmm. In, like there's a spiritual part of myself that I, I'm not able to connect to because I'm not aware of it because it was mm-hmm. stolen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, when you're une- at unease because it's like, oh, I, I, like, I've got a scratch, but it's like a long kind of like more kind of life thing that needs to happen. Mm. What was your question? No, <laughs> no, no. That was, it was, what other topics did you, yeah. uh, do you want to explore? I think that's yeah. definitely a huge, huge one. And the problem with it is like, even like, say I talk to my family, I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of messed up. Like it's like the moment you criticize something that people have an attachment to, mm-hmm. they are blocked off. Right. right. And so I'm also trying to figure out a way to like, how do I engage with people without necessarily like offending them and what their mm-hmm. spirituality is, but also shedding light to the horrible practices and the history behind this thing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. That's a hard one. I feel like it's not the same thing, but like talking about Western ideas mm-hmm. because of my education in Canada, I know more about like Western feminism and like, mm-hmm. you know, race issues and things like that. But when I go back home, J- Japan is such a heteronormative, um, mm-hmm. patriarchal society. And I see like my female friends or like my mom, like dealing with things like that, but they don't question it because that's just how their life is. Right. But because of my education in the West, I can't call things out and like, explain to them why it's messed up and why yeah. they shouldn't be like have to do that and but like by telling them about it then they have to question it and feel bad about what they're doing but then I get to leave and right. like live in the western society but they have to have this mm. knowledge and deal with it where they don't have the support or like you know right. people they can talk about it with so mm. that I'm like oh I'm just like western to my Japanese family mm. friends and like you know it's just selfish and am I actually helping someone or I'm just feeling better about myself mm. Mm. I think knowledge is power though right mm-hmm. and if you it's, it's difficult because it's like when you realize because sometimes like I've been in a situation where it's like oh you go through things like okay this is cool and then later you realize holy smoke, that was really messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was get like, I, that was fucked up to a level that I didn't understand mm-hmm. then. Yeah. But you are still empowered to know because maybe you will do things differently mm-hmm. or even knowing what you are going through mm-hmm. is still good. Like, so, I mean, like in my perspective, I feel like, um, I don't think like it's selfish because also these things take time. Yeah. So the first step is like, okay, awareness. And it's like, maybe, maybe one day they'll be like, Hey, how do you think I should go about this? Yeah. Right. Maybe don't have the the support system. You can, you can still support from, Mm -hmm. from afar. Right. So I don't know. What do you think? Like, do you? Well, I totally understand both sides. Like I, I hear what you're saying and it's at the end of the day, like you're uprooting and revealing a reality that maybe people are not ready to see yet. Yeah. So, and I think that's happening a lot right now Mm -hmm. in society. Like a lot of people would rather 
close the lid and not address it because it would shatter the reality or perception that they have created to create some sort of safety mm-hmm. or comfort and whatnot. So like, mm-hmm. fair enough and uprooting some, but in our, my personal journey of being able to like see truth mm-hmm. rather than believing the best in or trying to create these stories to protect myself, which actually creates more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can't force people to see something that they don't want to see, um, right. yeah. you know? And so maybe in your own personal journey of feeling, trying to practice or reconnect with those traditions that happened pre-colonization mm-hmm. like that in itself, maybe will open up the opportunity for someone to then think about it mm-hmm. in a different way. Like they can come to it and arrive at it when they are ready, but you already taking up space and doing what you need to do to connect with yourself and your roots opens up the opportunity for others to even enter that wasn't even there before at all. Right. Because you're creating a space for that discussion to happen Mm -hmm. without being like knocking on their door. I'm like, have you heard of a, (laughs) you know, it's, um, and, and, and also then the grief of maybe acknowledging that sometimes people will just continue to live without ever wanting to acknowledge it. And right. that is also yeah. okay too, that's because right. that's what brings them peace. Mm-hmm. Then, Yeah. But it is hard because we were like, if you're hurting others, then, <laughs> yeah. then, then that's another conversation yeah, yeah, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it comes from a place of love. Like you obviously want to protect mm-hmm. your family, your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You want them to know what you experienced. Mm-hmm. They experienced. Yeah. How can you not see that this is actually hurting you? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. tough, tough balance. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Design Unmuted podcast brought to you by Divine. If you liked what you heard, please rate and tell your friends about it. You can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find me on Instagram at Ramesha Design Unmuted and also on my website at www.rameshadesign.com. The track you're hearing is called Under the Sun by Kafaye, singer-songwriter and produced by Ozenit or Zenith by Kiga and Sanjan. Enjoy.